Welcome to Parsha Partners, the podcast that aims to put the peel pool and the pupil back in the study of the weekly Torah portion. My name is Aviv Matskin, and I am extremely fortunate to be a teacher in a Jewish day school in the heart of Silicon Valley. Fortunate because I get to come to work every day to learn from a group of brilliant young Torah scholars who read biblical texts with fresh eyes and sensitivities. After years of training and then learning from these creative readers, I decided it's just a shanda not to share their beautiful teachings with the wider audience. So, I am inviting you to come with us on a brief journey through a small section of this week's Pasha. Partner with us, a group of young students and an old teacher, as we try to uncover layers of meaning through the sharing of questions, connections, inferences, and predictions. Let's begin by meeting our participants today. Hi, I'm Alona, and I'm in grade five. Hi, I'm Charlotte, and I'm in grade six. Hi, I'm Ivy, and I'm in grade three. And our participants have some idea about what we'll be learning about. We are in the book of Shmot, the book of Exodus, Parashat Truma, and we will be reading from chapter 25, Pasuk 17, probably going somewhere through 21. So 25, chapter 25, 17 through 21. You can stop now and start studying on your own before you listen to the rest of the podcast, or you can just join us as we're doing it, reading it aloud and coming up with conversation. Let's begin with Pasuk 17. Alon will start us off. Make a cover of pure gold, two and one half a mot long and one and one-half amot wide. Make two golden cherubim. You must make them by hammering them out of the two ends of the ark cover. Make one cherub out of one end and one cherub out of the other end. From the same piece of gold as the cover itself, you shall make the cherubim on its two ends. Wonderful. Stop there. So as background, the Israelites are now taking in money so that they can build the portable mishkan, the portable tabernacle, a little home for God as they're traveling in the desert. And at this point, they are getting instructions about how to build the ark, the Aaron, in which there will be the Ten Commandments, apparently the broken set that Moshe threw down, and the full set that was rewritten. And on the top here, we're being told about the cover. Make a cover of pure gold, two and one half a mot long, and one and one half a mot wide. Make two golden cherubim. You must make them by hammering them out of the two ends of the ark cover. Make one cherub out of one end and one cherub out of the other end. From the same piece of gold as the cover itself, you shall make the cherubim on its two ends. All right, start us off, Charlotte. What's a cherub? Good. So we have this thing that's on the top of the ark. We don't know what it is. It doesn't describe it here. It says kruvim, cherub. What exactly is that? Any other questions or ideas? Yes, Alon. Um, why do they start with the cover? And um, what is a amot? Good question. So an amah is some measurement, some length. We're not exactly sure how long it is. I'm looking at the pasuk and I'm noticing that it's amataim vachetzi, two and a half amot long and one and a half amot wide. I'm wondering why the half. But let's see if we continue reading. Charlotte, will you read 20? We'll see if that can help. 
The cherubim shall spread their wings upward, upward, sheltering the cover with their wings. And the cherubim shall face one another. Their faces shall be inclined toward the cover. Okay, so we have two clues here now what they are. They have wings and they have faces. Maybe they're birds. All right, Charlotte, you're saying they're birds. Well, I don't know. Just a guess. Good. Any other ideas about what they might be? Why are they facing each other? Okay, this might be a clue, actually. Whatever they are, Charlotte, we have a start of birds. They're facing each other. I mean, like, if they were birds, nice like Charlotte said, then they, it would probably be easier for them to fly not facing each other. Because I feel like flying, like facing each other, would be harder. Good. So it doesn't quite make sense that they're birds. So this comes with the question of what are the wings for? So if they're meant to fly away... They're not real birds, but if they're meant to remind us of fly- facing each other would be a bad idea. Yes, Charlotte? Um, maybe the Caribbean were there to like protect it since it's on top. Beautiful. And what part of this description gives you the idea of protection? Because it says sheltering the cover with their wings. All right, so their wings are somehow covering the cover. Okay, yes, Alon? Um, I think it's like an angel, kind of, because I feel like they would have wings that would be kind of big so it could cover it. And they would also have faces, and um, like if they're like facing each other, they're like they're protecting it with like all all of their body. It could also be kind of trying to hide it, if that makes sense. Because if the wings are around it, it's kind of like it's not here. Like there's nothing here. Don't steal it. Nothing to look at here. Our wings are covering it. We're hiding it. Very nice. Okay, Ivy, yes? I like Alone's idea, but if there were these two cherubim, whatever they are, and their wings are spread around it, I mean, if I was a robber and I was coming across the group of Israelites in the desert, if I saw the Torah with its wings, I would get suspicious and be like, What's happening over there? It would attract you to it. You'd be more likely to go to it. Yes, Charlotte? Um, I'm curious about why there there are only two or there is two because number one if they're there to protect it why would there only be two couldn't there be like five of them or six it doesn't i don't understand where there are two and also maybe what's the need for two can't there just be one beautiful now i'll give you a little insight here uh the name of this thing this winged creature is a keruv it's a kaf a resh and a bet and if you know gematria, the numbers, bet is number two. Is number two. Reish, anyone want to guess what reish is? Isn't it like 300? You're very close. Take another guess. It isn't, say it, what do you think? Um, is it 200? Reish is 200 and kaf is? 20. Is 20. And that's 222. Okay, so the name itself has two in it, Charlotte. 222. Now we have to figure out, Charlotte, beautiful question, why only two? Let's have six protectors. Let's have one. No, it's got to be two, and they have to be facing each other. Yes, Charlotte? Um, It could also be because there are two tablets in the Ten Commandments, and it's guarding the Ten Commandments, so maybe they're connected in some way. Beautiful. I love that. Ivy, is that what you were going to say? That was my question. Okay, beautiful. So, Maybe it's connected to the two tablets of the Ten Commandments somehow. Let's look at 21. Ivy, do you think you could read 21 for us? Keep going until I tell you to stop. Listen carefully for any details that might help us. 
Place the cover on top of the ark and place the testimony on the ark that I will give you. I will set my meetings with you there, and I will speak with you from above the cover, from between the cherubim that are on the ark of testimony, all that which I will command you concerning B'nai Israel. Okay, so it turns out that if you want to talk with God, you have to go to the ark, and the voice of God is going to come out from between those two Kruvim. That's where the voice comes from. Yes. How do we? How do they know that God's voice is coming from the Kirubim? How is it? How do they know that it's not in their head, or it's not just coming from the from the two tablets? Beautiful. Here's the question: Of all the places that God could say, "I'm going to talk to you from," God said, "It's going to be right here." You and only certain people get to stand in front of it. Aaron and Moses are going to stand there. Here are these two Kruvim, winged creatures, facing each other, head down, looking at the tablets. That is where my voice is going to come out of. You said that people, like, paid for this, right? Did, like, people pay for this? Yes. I feel like that's kind of unfair to the people who don't end up being able to use it or talk to God. I feel like Moses and Aaron and the other people, and if anyone else talks to God, they should be paying for it. But I feel like the other people shouldn't really be paying for it because it, does it doesn't benefit them. Okay, now what if this is a secret code for how you can talk to God, but you don't need to be there? Two winged creatures facing each other, heads down, looking at I'm not sure what. And God's voice is going to come out from between the two of them. So if you want to hear God, be like this. It's not exactly, but um, when we bow, this is kind of like off topic, but if you're, let's say, doing karate or something, you bow to the other person, and then you, when you bow, you kind of look down. So it could be something like that, that like you're... Like you're saying, like, good game or like... Oh, Lohan, this may be right on topic. Let me see if I got this straight. So you've just had a difficult match with an opponent. You face your opponent. You bow with your head down, just like the Kruvim. And in that way, you're saying, I still respect you. And from in between, the voice of God says, good match. This is the way to be in the world. Yes, Charlotte. Um, I have another interpretation, like when two people face each other and look down. Maybe also it could be like when you're out in nature because there are a lot of like trees and maybe back to the bird idea, like surrounding you. So maybe when you're just like out in nature and you try to connect with like God or maybe you look down or something, you could kind of talk or connect with God. Fascinating, Charlotte. Although when I'm walking in nature, I'm always told, you know, look around. I like to look down at the ground so I don't trip on anything. But everyone says, if you want to see the beauty of the universe, if you want to connect with God, look up for a bit. Yes, Ivy. So right now when we read, we're like me and Alone are facing each other. And when we read, we're looking down. She's got Chevruta going on right here. Two people facing each other, looking down at the text. And guess what, Ivy? If you do it well, as Ivy says, if you really have that. Yes, they're looking. You can't see it on their podcast now, but they're looking at each other. God's voice will come out from your conversation. Uh, Since um, before this, um, they made the golden calf. 
did they use the same gold? Oh my God. Or was it something that they had to throw away? Because if they had Our to conversation throw about the possible the connection between calf. the golden calf and the golden cruvim continued. But I'm going to let you and a partner, a family member, a friend, someone you can face, have that conversation yourself. I just want to dwell a moment on this image of the Kruvim. If you can't picture it, I encourage you to look at the cover art, the logo for this podcast. I called it Parsha Partners based specifically on these two Kruvim facing each other. Because, as Ivy said, one interpretation is if you want to hear the voice of God. It's not coming from the heavens above. The voice of God nowadays comes when you sit down with a chevruta partner, a chaver, a friend, a study partner, and you face them. And you look down at the text so that there's a triangle here. There's you, the person you're speaking with, and the text that is speaking to you as well. And if you study with what Alon said, this karate-like reverence for one another and the sport— well, then the voice of God is going to come out from between you, not from one of you, not from one crew, not from the other, but in that discussion, in that talk, in that give and take, in that pill pool between the two of you, you will hear the voice of God. I also want to share an insight from Rabbi Foreman from AlephBeta.org. If you've never been there, you must stop right now. Type in AlephBeta.org in a computer. Go watch the amazing videos by Rabbi Foreman. But he notes that there is only one other time in the Torah that we have two Kruvim in the same formation. And that is when Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve, are thrown out of Gan Eden, the Garden of Eden. They are expelled because they eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, Etz Hadat Tovera. And to make sure that they don't come back into the garden, because God knows that uh, we are the kind of people who will try to get back in good graces, to keep them from sneaking back in, God places two Kruvim at the entrance with a flaming sword between them. Why? Well, there's another tree in the garden, the tree of life, everlasting life, Etz HaChaim. And God worries that now that we know the difference between good and evil, maybe we'll sneak back in to take a little taste of that tree of everlasting life. And God says, there's just no way back. Metaphorically, we don't get to live forever. There is no way to eat from the tree of life once you truly understand what this world is about. However, the Torah seems to be intimating, if instead of God building a place for us in the world, which didn't work out, we build a place for God in this world, which is the portable Mishkan, the portable tabernacle, and right at the heart of it, we put these Ten Commandments, this Torah, this teaching, and the two Kruvim, the two winged creatures that guarded our entry back into the Garden of Eden, now they are inviting us to a different Eitz Chaim, the tree of life known as the Torah. And they are telling us there is a way for everlasting life. That is through the study of these important texts with a dear partner, facing each other, talking, arguing, agreeing, and yet honoring one another as we face each other and face the text. We hope you'll join us again next week for a new parasha 
and three new scholars. Join us, and we'll see if we can hear the voice of God again.